0: The Baseball Together Network presents the Seattle Baseball Together podcast with your host Blackjack Brad, and now Seattle Baseball Together. Welcome back to this month's episode of the Seattle Baseball Together podcast, Baseball Family. Uh, like this is, it's over, done. The season's over, um, and here we are. We're gonna go over it, talk about it. I'm joined on the couch once again by my buddy Jewel Young. Thanks for joining me, Jewel.
1: Hey, hey, hey! Baseball Family. Good
0: to be so, back where we started, yeah, right where we started. But this is the thing, Jewel. Is we're in a better place now than we were last time, right?
1: Oh, oh we're in a place. We're in a place where we thought we'd be next year.
0: Ex- exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, I will say this: I had the I have the Mariners making all the year long. I had the Mariners making the pod or the podcast, the playoffs next season, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, missing by a game this year, like, you, they might as well have made the playoffs, to be honest with you. The way that last week went, the way it felt, this team felt.
1: I mean, were you just as stressed as I was? Like, all?
0: Oh. Dude, so I went on a different podcast on Friday night, like, during the game, and we were talking about this. I was like, I wake up every single morning stressed out. Okay, game starts at 7. What am I doing between now and then? The only thing on my to-do list is to not have a heart attack. Yeah, for Wait, real. So, so stressful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, funny story. So I'm looking back at um, my blog from the 18th um, where I talked about the Mariners. And Vegas projected them at 72.5 wins. I was a little mm-hmm. more generous at 88 and a third-place finish. But, man, they blew Vegas out of the water.
0: They did. They blew everybody out of the water. I think mm-hmm. SI had them at 65. Yeah. They said yeah. they said Mariners fans have the Jared kellen call up, call-up to look forward to and not much else win 65 games and I had him 84 I had him 83 84 I'll I'll be honest with that but I had nowhere near 90 but I did have him missing yeah. the playoffs finishing third you yeah know, so it's it's a big deal I mean it's a really big deal Phew. um especially for this team that was no hit twice. In a horrendous month of May. Like, it looked like the season was over in May. Yep. Like, done, deal, signed, sealed, delivered, gone. Looked like this team was dead to rights. We were going to see everybody come up from the minors this season. And it was just going to be a mess the entire time. Yeah, we talked about convinced. that. I
1: remember we talked about that in May. We talked about, okay, mm-hmm. it's time for Kalinick. We saw Gilbert coming up. We were just waiting for Raleigh. We were waiting uh-huh. for J-Rod. Well, we, were cert-
0: we, were- well, we were certain Hancock and Kirby were going to see time, just for the sake of getting time, right?
1: Yeah. No, we were, we were banking on basically everyone but Noel de Marte.
0: Yep. Yep exactly well and and here's the here's the crazy thing is so may was 13 and 15 13 and 15 in may every other month over 500 over 500 every other month 18 and 8 in september that's better than what i had them going
1: it was insane like after the all-star break like the mariners just august was kind of up and down but honestly Mm -hmm. it was solid and they they stayed in it and then every week like you just kept seeing like the power rankings coming out and the Mariners are just there at 10, 11. You kept seeing like the playoff updates coming out and the Mariners are just in every single week. And as lifelong Mariners fans, I mean, I'm sure you thought the same. It's like, what? Like, this isn't real. Like, how is this real? Like it's two weeks left in the season. And we're still right there a week left, like three days left.
0: Yep. Game 162 I mean, mattered. And it's been a while since 162 has mattered.
1: Yeah, since like 2003 4.
0: Yeah, I mean 2016 I was at game 161 and that one mattered. I ended up losing 161 did not matter after that. Yeah. So and the, and you know what man? At that game there were not nearly as many people at that game as there were at 160, 161 and 162 this weekend.
1: Yeah, no, it was nuts this weekend. Like, just seeing like Twitter and stuff. Like, the buildings around the stadium were shaking. That's awesome. Like it was, it was an insane atmosphere. I think we got to attribute some of it to COVID and say thank you for kind of bringing the excitement <laughs> back to sports and wanting to be uh-huh. there because it's like wasn't taken for granted. Yep. You know, it was like, oh my gosh, like we can go, like we let's let's do it, let's support our boys, let's support the team, and let's mm. like. Let's love baseball let's love our city let's get back and it made it special it made it special
0: it really did and I think that it's a, a pretty solid preview for what we're gonna see the next couple of years um I really like the next thing as soon as that game ended I was like man I really hope they sell that opening day. I would just be ecstatic if they sold that opening day this next year
1: oh yeah yeah it would it would not shock me if they did
0: mm-hmm. yeah at all so. Real quick, Jewel. Let's get into this. Let's uh, let's kind of recap this last season a little bit. We have we have some awards that we want to give out, just for funsies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just to I don't know if it's necessarily to reward the players for a great season. I know one of mine is not a reward, but uh, why don't yep. you go ahead, Jewel, with your first one and let me know what what you think here.
1: All right. So my first award is actually Triple A Rehab. Um, so, we saw quite a few guys that went down and drank some Kool-Aid or some water down at AAA. Um, Mike
0: sped up something.
1: Yeah. So, I have three guys that were my finalists for the uh, AAA Rehab Award. Uh, Jose Marmaleos, Luis Torrens, and Jared Kelnick. My yeah. winner for this one, actually, is Luis Torrens. Yes. Once he came back, like he was an everyday DH. He was in the lineup. He was getting on base. (laughs) He was playing well.
0: I was gonna say he looked like a big leaguer when he came back.
1: (laughs) He's literally like the smallest catcher and least threatening DH ever. But he he could he played. He called games better. He did everything better. Uh huh. Just coming back up.
0: Yes. Yes. He was a big league hitter when he came back up because he was yeah. not when he went down. And, and it, and it, it was, gives it, me a lot
1: of hope. It gives me a lot of hope for next year, seeing him and Raleigh, you know, man behind the plate.
0: Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And actually that's a perfect, perfect segue, Joel, because I want to get into my, um, my biggest disappointment of this season. Um, okay. There were a couple, I mean, I feel like you could, you could kind of put Jared Kelnick in there because he hit below the Mendoza line. He was he was oh, pretty hey, brutal boy. watching before he got oh. sent back down. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I, I'm, but I'm not gonna give it to Kelnick. He's not the guy I'm gonna give it to. The guy I'm okay. giving it to is Tom Murphy.
1: Oh man, yeah.
0: Holy oh. moly! Like, okay, I oh. understand. I understand here a little bit of this, okay? Because, because Murphy did hit two hundred two, which is considerably better than some guys on the team. Because this was a pretty bad hitting team. Let's be honest like that's what undid the, that's what undid these guys was the yeah. fact that most of these guys were hitting below 250 yeah and so so what we have is Tom Murphy hitting 200 which like I said it, it's fine based on what we saw on this team however I just I don't feel like behind the plate or just defensively once the once the ball is hit he might be a half a step up from a net behind the plate like the yeah. dude cannot catch the ball and make a tag to save his life no period fact, the, ball, like the the ball just doesn't stay in his glove he had the opportunity mm-hmm. even this weekend to get it out of the plate and as soon as he spun his arm around to make the tag behind him the ball goes flying out it's like dude what are, what's the problem like, can you not squeeze it? Yeah. Is your glove too big? What's going on? You've got to figure it out, though, because there have been a lot of opportunities at the plate where he could have made a big out, but yeah. the fact that he can't feel the ball cleanly as it's coming in from the outfield, can't squeeze it in his glove so it falls out, it costs this team a lot of runs, way more than it should have. And, you know, Torrens oh, yeah. had a similar, similar thing happen to him right before he got sent down where he just had a brain fart where Mm -hmm. he had a four, or it wasn't a force at the plate. He had to tag the runner, and the runner was out by five feet. Instead, he Mm -hmm. stuck his glove out like a first baseman, kept his foot on on the plate, and then went to go to first. Runners Run scores, the Mariners end up losing the game, you know, an inning later or whatever. But it's like, what's wrong with the catching position? Does Dan Wilson need to come up from wherever he's helping coach? And what was he? He helped out at Modesto this year, right?
1: Yeah, and right. just to kind of illustrate like to prove your point even more for Tom Murphy in 2019 he was seven defensive runs above rep- or defensive runs saved with a 30 with a 27% caught stealing. This season one defensive run saved and a 23% caught stealing. Oh no, I'm sorry. He went from 39, I'm sorry. I was looking at an advanced on 39 in 2019 to a 17% in 2021.
0: Yeah, and, and I honestly, like I'm surprised that more guys were not stealing on the Mariners this year, especially with Terence behind the plate too. Like
1: oh, yeah, there Terence, were so many yeah.
0: times where they would get guys on first and I'd be like, just go. Why aren't you just yeah. taking second base? It's there to, for you to take because Murphy's not gonna throw you out. If Torrens is back there, he's not gonna throw you out. Raleigh's yeah. better, but man, like there was nobody who was gonna get anybody out with Murphy and yeah, no, Terence. It, yeah, no, it, so. it, it was rough
1: for Murphy. Huge yeah, step back. That, like he can still call a game. Like for for a veteran catcher, he can still call a game. But uh-huh. I mean, he did finish the season at zero um, point nine wins above replacement, while Kellinik finished at negative one point seven. So,
0: well, going oh for what thirty eight isn't going to help with that.
1: Yeah, no, not really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, Murphy was my biggest disappointment though because yeah. he was just so bad, and he you know he took twenty twenty off. Like, whatever, that's that's fine. But, man, the catching position is a tough position to take off and miss an entire year. Yep. And that is Exhibit A right there. So. Yeah. All right, Joel, go ahead with your next one.
1: My next one is the Stay Injured Award.
0: Stay injured? <laughs> stay injured.
1: Stay on the bench.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Front left bench award. Uh, so my finalists are Evan White, Shed Long, and Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn. And my winner for this award is Evan White. Because oh, okay. if Evan White wouldn't have missed the entire season, we would not have had the amazing season that was Ty France. Uh-huh. Um, it would have been, we probably wouldn't have traded for um, Abraham Toro. You know, it, things would have been probably a little rockier at the plate um because france wouldn't have been in every day at first which wouldn't have opened up the reps for seager to stay at third because france would have been taking you know more defensive runs more errors you know more Mm -hmm. of those metrics because he's a great first baseman he's absolutely phenomenal at first base um but other other positions not so much so my winner for the state injured award and stay on the bench is evan White.
0: very nice I like it. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a really funny one. <laughs> Stay injured. And, you know, what? honestly, like, I think I would I would have probably put Justice Sheffield on that list. Or no, not just on the list, but, or, yeah, he was on the list. But I might have given him the award uh, oh, if I hadn't yeah. thought of Evan White because, I mean, he's definitely a runner-up. Because, man, the pitching rotation is so much better without him. And I was, yeah. like, I was pretty low on him last year. Um, but, man, he really took a step back this year and was not good at all. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if they're going to be able to um, trade him this off season. I don't
1: know, but we ended up going from negative 0.6 Evan White to 4.2 Ty France at first base. So wow!
0: Well, and, th- and think about this: uh, you're getting an, possibly another Gold Glove first baseman there with France, who can hit the cover off the ball.
1: Who can hit like a first baseman?
0: yeah yeah exactly. That's the important part. It's like a first baseman there you go. very good. yeah yeah. Point nine
1: nine nine fielding percentage in nine hundred fifteen innings four defensive runs saved. yeah, just
0: that's unheard ridiculous. of like I don't think i I don't know that I ever saw a ball thrown in the first that France didn't pick.
1: I don't think he missed any.
0: yeah, I don't but, know. What Good. hurts him
1: is that he only finished the year at one win above replacement because at second base he had negative one defensive run saved, um, oh, well. and then negative two at third base. So,
0: well, that's fine.
1: Thank you, Evan the, White.
0: Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Evan White. But I think France is going to get the uh, get the Gold Glove. I think he earned it. Oh, over there.
1: he 100 did. I mean, that's just yeah incredible.
0: Big time. All right. Um, so I have actually speaking of Abraham Toro, I have the best moment okay,
1: uh, okay.
0: in the season. So the day is August 31st, 2021. Okay. okay the Houston okay. Astros are in town. And uh you've got kind of a you've got a pitchers duel going on, which is abnormal playing the Houston Astros for the Mariners, and you get to the eighth <laughs> inning. The bases are loaded for Abraham Toro, And who's on the mound? None other than the man he was traded for, Kendall Graveman. Kendall Graveman. And for those of you who don't know, or maybe just don't follow um, the Mariners so closely on social media, there it was a big deal when Graveman was traded. It was huge. Like, it
1: was huge. Huge. Oh, deal. my gosh. I We talked about it. We, we did. We talked about it. We were both upset. And then well, we looked at it, and then...
0: later later it made sense you know right off the bat it's like well why are you giving our best reliever to our the most hated rival in the division like what is going on there like why are you letting houston get better and you know like especially while we're playing them you know it made sense that while they're playing them houston was like well you know if i mean i think it was both with houston and seattle it was like well if we make this trade after you guys leave town Um, both these guys are going to have to quarantine because of COVID rules, things like that. So they made the deal during the series and it worked out, it worked Mm -hmm. out just fine. So then a month later, a month later, almost to the day that these guys are dealt, they face Mm -hmm. each other in Seattle again, where they were traded and Toro goes yard, hits a grand slam, a grand salami off of Kendall Graveman. And I'm standing up walking around my living room, hands in the air saying, (laughs) Abraham Toro single handedly has won the trade.
1: Yeah. No, he he really did. He really did win that trade for us.
0: He did. Like, it's awesome. And I got to tell you, Joe Smith was really good this year. He's on the IL, or he finished the season on the IL, which is fine. You know, not a big deal. But he was solid. Um, I think the Mariners. I think we he's got like our 36 money's worth.
1: Six or something. Is he? I think he's like in his late thirties.
0: He might be. Let me find out. But anyway. Yeah. I thought that moment was the absolute best. Absolute best moment of the season. That there was so much surrounding that trade.
1: Yeah, he's and for it
0: to go down like that. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. I loved it. So yeah, much. no, he was
1: he was great for the Mariners. I mean, he ended up pitching 18 innings um of 0.2 ERA or 2.0 ERA and a 2.0 Oh, was
0: oh, was it a yeah, 2.0?
1: It was two point exactly with a two point six seven FIP, which is d- pretty good. Um mm-hmm. you know, definitely quality. I mean two he, he definitely gave us what we exactly what we paid for, you know.
0: Yeah. He, he gave on us top what we need, of Toro, when we need it.
1: And on yeah. top of Toro Well I and Toro was...
0: Toro started with what, a ten game hit streak?
1: Yeah, he was incredible. He homered twice in that series when he first got traded. Yeah,
0: he did. Yeah, because he and he even homered in that first game of the series. So yeah. He homered in every day every day in that series. Yeah, no, so, it was great. Toro was an excellent pickup, and he's a long-term solution as well.
1: Yes, yes. So we're exactly. going to have him. He's
0: going to be around a long time, and I think that's fantastic because I'm a, I'm a huge Toro fan. I, I like that guy a lot. He won me over really fast.
1: Yeah, he did, same. Which, you know, honestly leads me to my next award because he's a nominee for my next award. Okay. um which is my favorite edition award?
0: Oh, okay, cool.
1: So my favorite editions, my not my finalists were Abraham Toro, Jake Bowers, surprisingly, uh, and Drew Steckenrider.
0: Steckenrider. Yes.
1: And Steckenrider is my winner of the favorite edition award. Drew Steckenrider, 2.5 wins above replacement, five and two WAR, 2.00 ERA. Seven, 14 saves. I mean, fifty eight strikeouts. One point zero two zero WHIP. I mean, he's controllable through twenty twenty four. He's thirty. He's a late blooming reliever. He stepped up in so many clutch moments.
0: Uh huh.
1: Like Drew Steckenrider absolutely won me over. His FIP was a three point three five, which you know makes him very just very average, but very a very good average player.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. He only
1: gave up five home runs in his sixty-seven point two innings pitched.
0: That's a big. I think that right there. That's a big that's number. Huge.
1: Seventeen walks, and he was just there. Was just nothing bad about Steckenrider. Like everything about Steckenrider was just good. Like he was just good, especially when we needed him in big moments, especially yeah. down the stretch in September he mm-hmm. came through oh him and paul seawald you know just kept coming through and yeah i'm glad we have steckenrider as a part of our team through 2024 if we want him
0: i think he should be i mean at least at least next year you know yeah give He's him a chance 2022.
1: so i so mean that's if we awesome can turn him into a full-time closer i mean better for us because he stepped up in 2021 for us
0: he really did so and i have then, a funny Steckenrider story for you real quick all right, all right. So, uh, so the Mariners were down here in Phoenix, and I went to two of the three games. Uh, the second game that I went to was a Saturday night game, and uh, we were sitting right next to the bullpen. And you know, we we're just kind of like we we're kind of watching the guys just like walk around before the game and everything. You know, watching some of them stretch and stuff. Mm-hmm. And in Phoenix, I don't know if it's this way for the home bullpen because I didn't go over there, but with the visitors bullpen, uh, it goes it opens into the into a tunnel actually that goes under the stadium. And they keep a batting practice net right there in that tunnel that they'll pull out, you know. And so Steckenrider, he comes walking out of the tunnel from behind the uh, the batting practice net. And, dude, I mm-hmm. kid you not, he has his jersey halfway untucked, but his pants are undone and completely unzipped. Like halfway down his butt, and he's just walking around the dugout like it's like no – or the, the bullpen like it's like no big deal. It's like, what the heck is this yeah. guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's That's like fantastic. fans up above him and everything. He's walking around with his pants halfway down. i like, like, gosh. <laughs> and he could not care even a little bit. It was so funny. That's it great. was one of the it was so funny to watch. But anyway. All right. So that was your uh favorite That's edition. That's final. a good one.
1: Bring I us like home. That. Bring us home for the I awards. Like
0: okay. Uh I'm gonna have to go with MVP. I, I I have to give an MVP, and honestly, MVP, like okay, so Ty France was outstanding all year long. He was like he was steady, right for a while there. there if there is one if, player,
1: you should give this award to, and one player only.
0: I think, in, and I think that's who I'm giving it to. But anyway, so Ty France, if we needed a tying run in in the ninth inning, Ty France had it right for a long time. Mm-hmm. JP Crawford was outstanding. Yep. He was very good. Oh, he was right. first. He should have been an all star. Should have been an all star over Kikuchi, yes. I thought. And um, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Flexen Steckenrider was great. Um, Kyle Seeger was really good all season long, consistent. Um, but the guy I'm giving it to is Mitch Haniger. Yep. Mitch Haniger is the guy. So real quick, let's go through some stats with this guy real quick. Thirty nine home runs, career high, which we talk about this all the time on the big show that there are a lot more guys hitting home runs than there used to be, but they're, Mm -hmm. but those guys who are hitting home runs are not hitting what used to be hit. Right. Like Griffey Mm -hmm. would hit 45, 50 something home runs a year. um, And then like the juiced up guys are hitting 50, 60, 70 bonds and McGuire. Right. But Mm -hmm. 39 home runs is a lot of home runs right now. That's a lot of home runs anybody right now because most guys are
1: missing a whole season
0: yes he missed a year and a half give him the mvp give him the comeback player of the year award give it all to him because he was amazing 39 home runs 100 rbis and pushed the mariners to the finish line
1: yeah didn't i send you like some of those crazy stats where it's like 75 of his 100 rbis were in like the eighth the seventh inning or later
0: Yes, yeah, it was it was insane. And he led the major leagues. Ba- basically led the major leagues in clutch hitting is what he did. Yeah. And that's Which they say that's you can't track,
1: but you say you can't track, but mm, someone was tracking it for Mitch Haniger.
0: Yeah, and there's there is a clutch hitting stat that baseball reference has that will that will say like you have like what your OPS is. Um I think it's I think it's called it clutch factor. Um, but it'll it'll track like your OPS, your RBIs, um, your walks and strikeouts in the in the final, I think in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then they come up with a number and everything. I it, it's it's a beast to find, but uh, I I'm sure Hanegger's is very good this year.
1: Yeah, oh, it has to be. He was like everything he did came late in games.
0: Yep. Yeah, he came up big when we needed it. I mean, if there's if there are guys. If, the last month of the season, especially. If there were guys on base and Haniger was up, it's like, this is who we want. Nobody else. Oh, yeah. Right now. Oh, yeah. Because you know he's yeah. going to come through.
1: Yeah. I mean, Kelenic started to show some of that prowess, too, late in the season.
0: He did. And you know what? I felt like we really started to see it in Arizona. Um, I was at, like I said, I was at two of those games. Friday night game, the one that went into extra innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelenic was the one who drove in the game-winning run. And so that was a big deal, you know, especially for him with how much yeah. he'd been struggling that it's like, yes, he pulls through and then I run into his grandparents after the game. I was like, yes. it must be good luck. <laughs> you know. Maybe it wasn't <laughs> was,
1: grandparents being able to
0: be there. It may have been because yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I told him. I was like, hey, wear those jerseys again tomorrow night because uh because those seem to be good luck. They're like, well, we wouldn't wear anything else. we his grandparents. I'm like, what the <laughs> <laughs> It's awesome. It was super cool. So, all right. So, we've got our awards for this season. Um, I, I know I did the biggest moment, but, Joel, what would you say was, like, the highest of the high of the season? Do you think it was the end of the season there, That last, those last couple series? Or was there a different had, moment for you?
1: It had to be just September. Like, it was just yeah. so surreal just feeling, like, every day waking up like the Mariners are, Three games out, two games out, one game out, two game, game and a half, half a game, tied. Like. Oh my
0: gosh! When they were tied, I was such a mess.
1: And like, just the possibility that we had to make the playoffs for the first time in twenty years, and mm-hmm. we came down to one sixty-two. Like the Mariners haven't fought for one sixty-two in almost a decade.
0: <laughs> it's. it's it, it is. It's absolutely like, nuts.
1: One sixty-two. Yeah. And that was just. It was just something else. Um, that moment, and then obviously my biggest moment was, honestly, for me personally, I had to take my four-year-old daughter, and my baby, to their first Mariner game um, this season. That's awesome. In Seattle, and she had a sign. She ended up getting, like, um, someone sold a sign, and they ended up bringing her up. Um, like, something like the Kids Club I ended up seeing her sign and brought her, like, a Kyle Seager bobblehead. And, That's cool. Um, like just a little toy and whatnot. So that was really special for me just, you know, as her dad being able to take her to her first marriage game. So that was, that was super, that was probably my best moment of the season.
0: That's awesome. That, that is a big deal. Um, So Wilson, I mean, we live in the land, I'd say all the time, we live in the land of spring training. We live in Phoenix. And so this year, like last year we got to go before COVID hit, before we got to go mm-hmm. before they shut down spring training in the season. So we were really fortunate in 21, 2020, and then this year, uh, since we didn't get to go to any regular season games last last year, um, we were really looking forward to over spring break getting to go to a spring training game, and we did, and it was really limited. You know, there was mm-hmm. it was maybe twenty five percent capacity, um, but we were sitting out on the grass, and it was fun to to get to a game. And Wilson was really excited about it. And then later, I was like, I was like, Mariners are coming to town in September. I was like, It's like I think we should try to go. He's like, Oh, dad, that'd be awesome. And then so my dad actually gave him the tickets that we that we used to the game, he gave those to him for his birthday, and he was, like, ecstatic, ecstatic about it. He loves to go. We, we kind of spoiled him this year. He got to go to three games, which, you know, isn't a ton, but three big league games at Big League Park, it was a different experience for him. He had a lot of fun. He loved going. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. that first time, there's nothing like it, right? No, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's super cool. That's great. I love that. Love that so much. All right, Joel, we got a little bit of time here. Let's talk about some of the things that we want to see uh, this offseason. Now, keep this in mind, baseball family. We talk about this all the time on the big show. This comes up like once a week. We have to keep in mind the collective bargaining agreement because it expires. It's coming up here pretty soon. And it's going to be a big deal because we could potentially not have baseball next year. But the other thing is that I don't think we're going to see any moves made. Until it's resolved, that means no signing of free agents, no okay. trades, none of it. But we're still going to have fun with it. So, Jewel, you so first off, Jewel and I talk about this all the time. We text about this like compulsory time. <laughs>
1: All the time, literally. I think we talked about it for like two hours the other day, like texting back and forth, just like I think we did. All the crazy possibilities, and I mean, <laughs> I have I have two I have two theories.
0: Okay, go ahead, lead us off.
1: My my biggest theory, you know, obviously, like you said, nothing's gonna happen until CBA. The Mariners obviously need to give Mitch Haniger a three to five year deal
0: with they all the money,
1: million, With all the money, they hold it. Give him the Seeger money. You know, the eighteen million that. You know, if they end up moving on from them, we'll come back into the Mariners' payroll. Uh Um, The Mariners hold a $20 million club option over Seager, um, which, I mean, I could see him restructuring for less. Um, Regardless, I mean, who knows what's going on with Kyle Seager? We kind of talked about this, where it's like, is he retiring? Does he need Tommy John? Is there something more Mm -hmm. we don't know? Is that why they give him the big ovation? Or was it just because, was it just like the proper thing to do as a franchise?
0: Just in case.
1: Just in case, because it was a classy yeah. move to make. Eliminated, cornerstone, 11 years. like
0: uh-huh. It
1: was the move. It was the classiest thing the Mariners could have done. Yep. I mean, they yep. did it for and Ichiro, and it, you know.
0: They did. They really did do that for Ichiro. And, you know, and Ichiro really came back just for those games. Um, in Japan. And this, yep. Yeah. And my thing with, with Seager is like, he's only ever known Seattle. Only known the Mariners, so mm-hmm. I do wonder if maybe he's going to go make some visits, talk to some other teams, and you know, like I would love to see him play for a contender next year. A team I honestly that can think go win him and his Series. brother.
1: I think him and his brother team up somewhere.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if they go somewhere they, to win a win a title.
1: It just makes too much sense. Like they're both free agents; they both uh-huh. have the option. They both could do it. They both still have some juice left. Or, obviously, Corey's 26. Um, He's got a
0: lot of juice left. But he has that Tommy John as a position yeah. player.
1: Mm-hmm. And so they both they both have enough in the tank to where uh-huh. they could really go somewhere. Like, I don't know. Would I love them both to come to Seattle? Yeah. Do we have room for They'd Corey here? Not really. Um, <laughs> right. But, honestly, they could go somewhere, you know. That has the room at shortstop, second base, third base, and DH. make them in- DH American League. Like there's there's a- Detroit.
0: Makes a lot of sense in Detroit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, you know that's one thing. Obviously, resign Machaniger, bring back, th- bring the Seegers in. But honestly, my biggest thing would be a trade for Juan Soto. Oh my God! We we talked about this. We both salivated over it. But like realistically, yeah, you know, the Mariners have who did we talk about? Evan White, uh, Shed Launch, Justice Sheffield, Justin Dunn. Um, you know, Marlejo, Goodoy. <laughs> they probably have about five to ten guys with MLB experience that another club would be oh. like that. The Nationals could be like, huh? We could use like four of these guys, and you know. Combine them with Fetty, and um, and you know
0: what, like Evan White, Evan White is a really good defensive player. I mean, he's he's a Gold Glover.
1: Yeah.
0: His issue is at the plate, and I don't know how much of that is mental, how much of that is just like straight up mechanical, and he's just not going to be able to hit. But sometimes it it helps going to a different franchise and getting, I don't know if it's help from a different uh, a different coach, um, just a different setting, just. A change of scenery sometimes does a wonders does yeah. wonders for a guy. And he'd be and he, great over Josh figure, Bell there. Oh my gosh. Like Josh. So I think Josh Bell is more I mean he's he hits like a first baseman like we talked about. But yeah, I don't know. That that's tough. I mean, I know Josh Bell, he played left field the other day. I think when they brought in Zimmerman. Yeah. So he he could do that a little bit, but I don't know. He's yeah. too big to play anywhere else in the infield though.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I would love to see a deal for Juan Soto and Steven Strasburg um, to come on over. Oh my over. gosh! I um, think we
0: all would. I think we'd love to see that. off of
1: Evan White, Shedlong, Sheffield, Dunn—like these guys we're not using. Go and give them a chance to have a career and uh-huh. get back to guys who can put us in the playoffs without a doubt.
0: Yep. Well, and the other thing too that we talked about was um, you know, Shohei Otani was saying that he. He wants to win above anything else. And I think the whole league was like, all right. You know, (laughs) everybody's like looking at their chops. What do you want? What do the Angels want from us to get Otani? But honestly, I don't know if he has a no trade clause. He probably doesn't because he came over as a rookie, you know. But, like, I'm sure that the Angels are a classy enough organization that they would consider where they're sending him. And I don't know if they would maybe not send him to Seattle because of a div- because they're a division rival but at the same time though like you could trade f- you could get a pretty good haul for Otani if you're the angels and some of that haul could come from Seattle which I would I would demand pitching I would demand one maybe two pitching prospects um I would, yeah. I would they don't need a first baseman because they've got Jared Walsh who we saw hit more home runs against Seattle than anybody else. But they'd be no, losing a DH. They'd... <laughs> they'd be losing a pitcher. You know, so they would need yeah. to fill those holes. But at the same mm. time, like they have some major needs that need to be addressed before they can win. And unfortunately, Otani didn't walk it back. He's like, "Well, I would like to extend with with the Angels." Like, yeah, you do because that's. But like important. they
1: don't, they don't have the money. You know, they're committed like sixty million dollars in payroll for the next six years to just Rendon and Trout.
0: Yes. Yes, well, and if there gets to be a salary cap, I'm curious how that's going to affect things. There's like, no
1: way they can keep Otani.
0: No chance, no chance. Teams like teams like the Angels, the Padres, the Dodgers, the Yankees, um, almost, the Phillies, survived.
1: and like, that's where the Mariners can make serious plays for like some big contracts because they have payroll. Yep. And they well, have not only Because if there's a cap, a there's going to be a floor. Guys.
0: Yeah, if there's a cap, there's going to be a floor. And Seattle's going to have to make some moves to make that, to reach the floor, I'm certain. Because they're not paying anybody <laughs> right now. <laughs> Especially if Seager's gone. No, and, you
1: know, that's, but that's when they'll come in with, like, you know, long term extension for Jared Kelnick, you know, the extension for Mitch Haniger, the extension for yeah. Marco Gonzalez. You Ty know, that's France. when the extensions will come first. Ty France, yeah. that's when those in house extensions will come first to get them up there to pay the guys that they believe in. Yeah. You know, and then comes the trades.
0: Yeah, it's true. And um so what do you think is the most realistic deal for the Mariners to make? I mean we would love to see Soto and Otani, obviously like that would just I mean Strasbourg. Like that would just be next level stuff. But who do you think is the guy who's like the role player? I mean we could even I don't think Story has a, a spot on this team. I mean, I know nope. he's a great hitter. He's great defensively. But I I love me some J.P. Crawford, and, and I feel like he's going to be the leader going forward.
1: Now, this is a guy who's a free agent. I'm 99% sure he's a free agent at least. Um, he plays for the Blue Jays. Um, Simeon. It's a guy, yep, he, we, we talked about him last year, how I wanted him in Seattle so bad. Um, And he is a free agent because he's had he a is, one-year
0: deal. yeah. He did say he wants to go somewhere he can play shortstop again, though. He doesn't like playing second base.
1: Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, he could play this third is my base. Thing.
0: Maybe, maybe he I could, don't know. But my thing is, like, a guy like that, if he's gonna, if he's gonna, re- if he's gonna sign with anybody playing second base, he's gonna stay in Toronto. I'm sure.
1: He's he's honestly a above average defender at every single position he's played: he, second base, third base, and short.
0: He's good. Marcus Simeon is a really good player. I would take him in a heartbeat, absolutely, for sure. Um, yeah. I I called him earlier this season, I think it was the beginning of the season I called him a, uh, a poor man's Trevor Story. There's
1: nothing poor about Marcus Simeon anymore. Not
0: anymore. Not after this year. No, going into this season, yeah, he, he you was could get so him at a discount Big time. But after he got I mean, out of there Oakland, is the, there was there is a the possibility is if we if
1: Simeon was a possibility. It would mean Seager's not coming back. Whoever they re-sign a middle infielder, Seager's not coming back. Right. Most likely is they move JP or Toro to third.
0: Jake, I think Toro is the future is the third baseman of the future. I think they're looking for a second baseman still.
1: JP Crawford, .983 fielding percentage at third base, seven defensive runs saved, and 174 career innings there.
0: Did he Has he really played that many at third base? Mm-hmm. That's crazy.
1: Uh, all in he... Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, yeah, but still, um, I didn't, I didn't see he played that much time at third base. I, so I have a buddy who's a, a Phillies fan, and he's just like I said something yeah. about J.P. Crawford. He's like, I am so sick of hearing about J.P. Crawford because they were, the Phillies are selling him as the next Chase Utley. He gets to Seattle. I'm like, yeah, I could see it. <laughs> I could see it. Yeah, <laughs> he might just be yeah. the next Chase Adler.
1: But then also Toro. <laughs> Toro was a third base prospect in the Astros system. Yes. Um, he was brought up as a third baseman, but then moved to second. He looks like a third baseman too. Um, and in 546 career innings at third base, um, he has a .970. Uh, Fielding percentage with five defensive runs saved. So, Mm. I mean, it's not like we we have two great options. You know, if we need to move shortstop over to third, or -hmm. if we need to move our second baseman over to third base. It doesn't matter because we got two quality players. Just don't move Ty France. Just don't move him.
0: No, Ty France stays put. (sighs) We don't need a first baseman. Got a first baseman. We don't
1: need a... (laughs) And then next year, I mean... Yeah, it's just it's great. We we're in a great predicament there. So I would love to see Marcus Semien, Juan Soto, Shohei Otani, Steven Strasberg. Likely I think is the biggest play because we were connected with them late into the pre agents process last year.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. I think I had missed that somehow. But mm-hmm. um no and and my thing too going forward is that like the outfield right now is like Soto is a step up from everybody in the league. Right. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Like you would trade anybody on your roster pretty much for Soto. Um, but honestly, the Mariners outfield is super crowded right now. And this yeah. is, is going to be an issue going forward because <clears throat> if we're going to re-sign Han- if they're going to sign Haniger to a long term deal, mm-hmm. what do you do with him? You know, we talked about this a lot that you could move him to first base, but we got Ty France at first base. You could move yeah. him to DH. Well, we would love to see Seeger come back and be able to play, be able to DH. So, you know, if we've got if we're gonna have the Holy Trinity of Kelnick, Kyle Lewis, and uh, Julio Rodriguez out there, got to figure one out them, something to do with Haniger.
1: One of them has to go. I mean, honestly, if yeah. one wasn't the possibility, honestly, Julio Rodriguez would be gone. I mean, Julio Rodriguez would be a national.
0: Yeah, and that would really upset me because I love watching that guy play. <laughs> so yeah, but, one, but
1: Juan Soto,
0: like, I know Juan Soto. Juan Soto might just be the best hitter in the league right now, and. Because that he's dude so is just, he's, he's, he's young, he's got power to the entire field, and he hits for average. He hits for average. He's not just a power hitter who's going to go up there and strike well, out. Well, not only he that, a... listen,
1: listen, like his his stats, seven wins above replacement, 157 hits, 29 home runs, 313 batting average, 95 RBIs, nine stolen bases, a 465 OBP, a 534 slugging, a 999 OPS, and 175 OPS plus, plus. 75 points above league average.
0: Yeah. Well, and here's this: is that I believe Soto is the only guy uh, in the entire league to have um, to have a WAR above seven, who's not a pitcher, like who's not also a pitcher. And the only reason I say not also a pitcher. Uh, because Otani, yeah, has a WAR of like eight, but that's because he's double dipping.
1: That's true, and the so, best thing about Soto is that he lead he led the league in walks this season with hundred and forty five.
0: Yeah, so that's the thing is like I would trade I would be willing to trade anybody for Soto, but it's that um having watched a guy from very early like like. J-Rod. Like, I remember listening on the radio to his first spring training at bat, and they said that it was like 105 off the bat. And it was the first pitch he saw. It was the first big league pitching he had ever seen, and I was like, jeez.
1: Yeah. Well, we also heard that about Evan White too, you know. he He's a contact hitter. He was sma- he could hit, it. he can literally hit the cover off the baseball, right into someone's glove, but he's going to hit at 112, 115 exit v
0: yeah. So here's here's the truth about so about Soto's WAR. Soto has the highest WAR of a non-pitcher who's considered an MVP candidate. But you've got Simeon seven point one, Correa seven point two, Wheeler with Philadelphia seven point eight, and then Otani is nine point um, oh. I'm still not going to turn down a WAR of seven point oh at all.
1: That's ninety-seven wins.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, and sp- speaking of this, let's wrap up with this real quick. So, I was talking to, with my son Wilson the other night because he was, I was explaining to him about how the playoffs work and everything like that. I was like, you know what, Wilson? If Kyle Lewis hadn't gotten hurt this year, um, I would probably consider him, I'd probably take two, three wins from him. Um, and then you, you go next year, I would probably, with Julio Rodriguez, with what he's projected to be as a rookie, I would take two wins with him. So, that's five more wins right there. And you know, you're losing some with probably yeah. Seeger and mm-hmm. uh, but the rest of the core is going to be there. You're going to you're going to lose some negative war guys. Um Kelnick has got to be better next year. Like if he's not like I don't know what the problem oh, is. There's something else be. going on. He's going to be better. So I mean, there's a potential that these Mariners next year could win 95 96 games and be what's, in the hunt for is the that division. What's Kyle
1: Seeger's only a 2 above replacement third baseman.
0: Yeah, but his role in the clubhouse makes a big difference.
1: Oh, yeah. No, 100%. If they included
0: intangibles, he'd be like a 4, 4, or 5.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And then Kyle Lewis was a half a game, you know, even if he would have stayed healthy for the season, you know.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. he only played like 30 games.
1: Yeah, half a game in those 30 games, so.
0: that's, I think that's pretty good. Pretty that's good for Boston. Those.
1: That's the Boston edge right there.
0: Yep, it is. Yeah, so I... I'm going to say it right now. I've got the Mariners at 95-96 wins next year contending for the division title, but definitely in the playoffs.
1: i have 100% in the playoffs on a wild card, 100%. 100% because the Yankees aren't going to be – I mean, they're not going to have Rizzo. They're probably not going to have Gallo. Right. Um, you know, I think Judge is a free agent too, if I'm not mistaken.
0: They're going to pay Judge. Um,
1: yeah, well, he goes through arbitration. Okay. Um, yeah. But you know, there's there's guys there's guys who are on the Yankees who probably won't be there. You know, Rizzo one hundred percent won't. Rizzo will be. I want Rizzo in Boston, honestly. Um, yeah. I think that's perfect. But no, I honestly like. There's there's a lot of questions in New York. You know, it's open. It's, honestly mm-hmm. next season should be the Toronto and Tampa Bay show. It should be the Seattle show in the West. It should be uh-huh. the Detroit and the White Sox show in the in the central in the American League. Yep. Like each division has two clear cut, like top dogs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the West. I think the West off. is gonna continue to be competitive. The Mariners match up against the A's really well suddenly, so I'm not worried about that anymore. I think Houston no, no. I keep I keep waiting for Houston to take a step back. Golly, that Kyle Tucker keeps hitting the cover off the ball. That dude's good. And so oh, yeah. You know, he's going to step in and take over a significant chunk of what needs to be done there. They're still going to have Breckman. Uh, Correa sounds like he's gone. 5.7 um,
1: more for Tucker. Geez,
0: that that dude, legit. Like, I remember seeing the first time him, like, seeing him come out the first time. I'm like, geez, is this kid, like, a high schooler, what's going on here? And then he goes out there and rips a double in the gap. I'm like, man, but he can hit. Holy smokes. But anyway, I don't know. Let us know what you think, baseball family. Do you think that we're off a rocker here, saying the Mariners could? really contend next year. I mean, I, like I said, I think 95, 95, 96 wins is reasonable, reasonable to expect from the Mariners next year. Let me know, jump on baseball together.com or click the link in the description and send, send me your comments, concerns, questions, Snyder marks, whatever you want in through the mailbag. Also, don't forget. You can hop on nine plus us.com N I N E P L U S U S.com. Use the code C pod S E A P O D and get 15% off anything in the Seattle collection. I uh, got some nice stuff. Got the, uh, the foul pole collection. We've got, uh, we've got the baseball together shirt in, uh, Navy white cream for the Sunday alternate and also gray. You can get the logo there in Seattle Mariners colors, but Jewel, thanks again for joining me. I appreciate you helping me wrap up the season here. This is great.
1: Hey, of course, you know, anytime, anytime. It's been a pleasure. Baseball family. It's been a fun season. Seattle baseball family here's to 2022 and here's to the all-star game of world series in 2023.
0: So for sure, 100% jewel hit the nail on the head. We'll catch you next year, right before spring training.